Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Generous patron of the church's poor, St. Lawrence, pray to the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that all the poor of the church in need in every act of the love of brothers and sisters who seek to help the church from the greed and envy of the powerful, protect her rights and property. She may serve the needy freedom become someday with all those whom we mansions of heaven of God's house and the company of the Savior lives and reigns forever. Son of the Amen. Okay, today is the feast of Saint Lawrence, He's a third-century saint. Uh, remember, back on August seventh, had the martyrdom of Sixtus and his companions. This was. Four days later, that Lawrence, who was a friend of the Pope, was summoned by the Emperor and asked to bring the riches of the church to his palace. Take over these. And Lawrence was um, custodian of these riches of the church, you could say. He, he was probably from Sixtus. And he said, Of course, I'll be there tomorrow, today, the 10th. And he brought all the poor, the homeless, downtrodden, sick. He ministered to regularly. Life's work is helping. And he brought them to the gates of the palace and said, Here you are, these are the riches of the church. The emperor didn't like that. So he was uh, taken into custody and executed by putting him in the gates over a fire where he was roasted to death. This is a man truly was united to Jesus Christ. Martyred in such a way. Actually, a sweetness to it for the soul that loves God that is actually getting to witness, means to witness his love for Christ. And there's a legend of the, the tradition of the church teaches that he even after a few minutes of uh, side said, I think I'm done, you can turn me over now. And he is the saint of cooks for this reason. So uh, a wonderful saint indeed. And the, actually the church, the, today is a feast day. It's not just a memorial yesterday. Today is a feast. So a feast. And the gospel today is from John 12. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, and amen, I say to you, a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, remains just a grain of wheat. If it dies, it produces. Whoever loves his life loses it, hates his life in this world. Preserve it for eternity. Serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. Honor serves me. That's the gospel. So today, uh, I think the one line that jumps out to me there 
is in fact loves the life will lose it. So this is the twelfth chapter of the Gospel of John, and again, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone in this world, he said that to keep our lives eternal life. He said that to keep our our lives for eternal life, we must hate our lives in this world. It's it's a rather harsh phrase. It's important. Don't know about you, but I feel like the idea of eternal life is very important. So if you're like me, we have to figure out what it means to hate our life in this world. Eternal life in heaven. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. Okay, so when we consider this, <clears throat> one thing that we really need to figure out is that what does he mean by hate this world? That's the, the critical statement what does it mean to hate this world because most people if you ask them do you hate this world they would say no this my, the world is a beautiful place it's god's creation i, I experience god in nature in this world so what does he mean because there's a paradox at work here as often there is love my life i will lose it but if i hate my life in this world then i life okay I think the key issue is the phrase in this world. See, John uses the word world a lot. More gospel writers. And we're all familiar with John 3.16. God so loved the world. In the context of that verse, the world seems to be something good. Dying for. Something worth God dying for. Jesus died for it. But, but really he died for us world so let's keep looking a little further now if you go to john 1 9 it says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world it's good verse 10 says he was in the world and though the world was made through him the world did not recognize him that's not good it gets worse so i mentioned john 360 what about john 319 this is the verdict light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So now we've gone from the world not recognizing the light to the world hating the light because their deeds were evil. Okay, so we're starting to figure out why we should hate our lives in this world. In John 8, Jesus is talking to a crowd of Jews and he says, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. I believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. So here we have very plainly Jesus saying that he's not of this world. This world does not recognize him. This world deeds are evil. Jesus saying that he is out of this world. We can all say that to be true, right? Jesus is just out of this world in a great way. He is from heaven came down to this world to restore this world to his father. That will be done at the end. In the process, we have to live in this world. And it is, although it's a beautiful creation, it is a mess. Right? Can you agree with me that the world is now a mess? Uh, in so many ways. You, countless ways, I would say. I mean, just some things that come to mind is the division among peoples of every 
religion, nationality, men against women, women against men, genderism, all of that. Then there's also the violence. Violence is on an uptick and it's getting out of control in many places. Then there's the persecution in many countries against religion, against Christianity even. Uh, we have um, a world that is hell-bent on killing babies for the most part. Not everybody, but, but enough that it happens more often that people die in the womb than out of the womb. I've told you that before. So the world is sick. There's a sickness in this world. Did you know most of the pornography made in the world is made in California and exported to the whole world practically? Not every country, but a lot. Um, that's a problem for America. America will have to answer for its sins. So we have all these issues in the world. Now, you may live in tiny little town in the middle of Kansas and most of this world problems don't affect you. But it doesn't change Jesus's statement because you must know that the world is under the control of Satan. The world is under the control of Satan. Recently, I was speaking with the producers of Nefarious and they were very much alarmed when they found out that there was absolutely zero pirated versions of their movie out there, ripped off from the authentic movie. And it bothered, it bothered them to some degree because when they made Unplanned, there was a great, a great deal of thievery in pirating that movie, people stealing it and showing it, uh, paying for it, uh, which is part of the whole process of making movies. It's, it's part and parcel. It's not a good thing, but it happens. They understood it. And they wanted people to see that movie, actually both these movies. So they just offered it to the Lord and said, you know what? We're not going to sue. We're not going to make a big stink about this. We're just going to pray that hearts are changed by seeing this movie, even pirated version. So when they made Nefarious, they said, wow, the devil is such a hot topic right now with so many people. There's probably going to be much more pirating of this movie. And... I think it's three months old now, and they said there's really none, none happening. And what they said to me was, literally, they got like the hair on their neck stood up when they heard that statistic because there's a company that tracks all this. Because they realized truly Satan is running this world and doesn't want people seeing this movie. So you know, to as much as he can, he's going to limit people from seeing this movie. Uh, it's an interesting thought, is it not? But we, the scriptures say as well, the rule of this world is Satan for this for this time we live in. After the fall. So, in a way, Jesus is inviting us, he's inviting uh, everyone to leave this world with its evil and with its sins and with its thievery and all its problems, it's the pornography, all of it. And join him in another world. Join him in another world. John wrote in his first letter in chapter one, not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. The world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So here John is echoing 
wrote his gospel in chapter 12. Hating the life in the world means hating the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But some people don't. Some people enjoy the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Sadly, it's a lot of those people that are producing the movies that are put out for, for us to watch. And the TV shows. Not, not everybody, but much of it. And much of what you see is uh, it's straight out of the, the chapter 12. Uh, about this this whole idea of hating the world, but for the people who love that lifestyle, the the uh, you know fornication and uh, violence, anti Christianity, all of it. If you love that and you're publishing that sort of thing, um, that's a big problem for. Them. Don't love that. So basically. I learned years ago, probably 10 years ago, at least, even if you go to see a good movie in the movie theater, you're tormented by the trailers that precede it. Because they're usually garbage. And you have to just sit there and, you know, stomach it until you get to the movie you want to see, which which would be even a good movie, something that's wholesome. So um, they just get you coming and going. So we have to be a people that are different. You know, when we were baptized, we were set apart for God, set apart for God. And we were made children of God. What Jesus is by his very nature, we have become by grace. He is by nature a son of God. We are by grace sons and daughters of God. But we have to live out of that. So we have to be living out of his kingdom. And what that means is we have to live like he lived. You know, uh, he was a man who um, lived a perfect life, perfectly devoted to his father, perfectly uh, loving to his earthly parents, um, lived out of supreme kindness in respect to all his interactions with human beings. He even prayed for those who were persecuting him. He prayed for those who were killing him. He's hanging on the cross, dying, and he says, Father, forgive them. So this is what he wants us to live out of, why? Because it gets us to the true kingdom, heaven. That's the goal, right? We have to always go back to that's the goal of life. We talked about that yesterday. The goal of this life is to get to heaven. And that's by knowing, loving, and serving God here. And I would add living out of his kingdom here. You know, when we're living like Jesus lived, when we're adoring him, loving him, we're breaking forth his kingdom here on earth. So there's little pockets of this kingdom all over the place. I think the biggest pocket of heaven on earth is Medjugorje. So when people ask me, why do you keep going back there? I always say, well, it's heaven. It's heaven on earth. Why would you not want to go there? Right? Why would you not want to go there? Because it really does manifest many of the traits of heaven, the peace, the joy, um, the glory of God. It's all there in a tangible, uh, substantial way, which is not a, you can't explain it to somebody until they experience it for themselves. Uh, and why is that? Because everybody in Medjugorje who lives there, as well as pilgrim pilgrims there, is all on the same page with Jesus. They love him, they adore him, they follow him, they follow his commands. They go to church every day, twice a day, actually. Um, 
they pray the rosary every day. They are living a very sacrificial life. The people who live there. Uh, from the beginning, actually, it, they opened their homes to strangers every week of the year, practically. They would sleep on the floor, and the pilgrims, us, got to sleep in their beds. Imagine that. Think about that. You're living wherever you're living. Let's say you live right here, Columbia, Tennessee, and suddenly, I don't know, Our Lady starts appearing in our church. And Hundreds of thousands of people start coming here. They have nowhere to stay. Actually, we don't have a lot of hotels. I think we have like two way over by the highway. So then what if Our Lady started speaking to one of our parishes saying, I want you to open your homes to the pilgrims and you let them sleep in your homes. Okay. And let them, they can give you a nominal stipend to pay for your, the food that they serve you. Okay. Food that you're going to serve them. So now you have people showing up and you're going to open your home. And really, the doors are open all the time. You can come and go as you please. And they're going to sleep in your bedrooms and your bed and you're going to sleep on the floor. How many people would do that? I would guess very few. Maybe I'm skeptical. I don't know. But they did it. They still do it. Now, over 42 years, they've had time to build up their homes with some of the profits they've made over the years by sort of taking in all these pilgrims. And pilgrims tend to be very generous. They always really, we would always leave more than was expected compensation for the, the hospitality they gave us. So now they have enough room where they can sleep in a bed and the pilgrims can also sleep in a bed. Uh, so yeah, time has been a blessing, not just for the world through Medjugorje, but also to the people who've hosted the pilgrims. So back to the kingdom. We have to keep going back to God's kingdom. Are you living in his kingdom? Are you living in his kingdom? Um, the fruits of the kingdom are the way you would measure if you're living in his kingdom. So how much time? Look at your phone. Look at your calendar in your phone. So you pull up your calendar. Look at your days. How much time a day are you giving to God? Prayer. Um, how much time a day are you giving to God's people in serving them? Then you can pull up your bank statement, your credit card statement. How much of that is devoted to, to helping God and his people, his church, versus yourself? Now, God is not greedy. You know, when he asks in the scriptures to, to bring your first fruits to him, he asks for 10%. The tithe is 10%. So are you doing that? Can you give 10%? He says it's the only time in the scriptures where he said this that uh, if you give me your 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 ten percent your tithe, you give me your tithe, that I will overflow your 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 storehouse will be overflowing. What he's and he says, test me on this, test me on this. Let me find the scripture here because it'd be good to hear the actual scripture. Bear with me. Oh. It's not Chronicles. Hmm. I feel like it's testing on this scripture about tithing.
Ah, Malachi 310, of course, to 12. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. Now, if you don't do this, you'll never understand. But the people who've tested God on this, and I'm one of them, he does. The money you give, even in the months when it's tight, so we don't get a ton of money, priests, you know, 32000 a year, roughly, I guess. I don't know. Somewhere in there. And uh, so that would mean I would have to tithe $3,200 a year. So divide that by 52. It's, it's not it's not really isn't that much money weekly. But, you know, you do it and boom, the money comes right back. I remember years ago, I was helping uh, a poor child who lost his dad um, tragically. And his mother didn't speak English. Um, and she was from, uh, I want to say she was speaking Aramaic or one of these ancient languages from the Middle East. And she worked in a donut shop. And the kid was one of my altar servers at the, the Catholic school. He was about to go to the high school. The high school was very expensive and he didn't have the money. And there was no scholarship. So he said, what can I do? I met with the high school and they said, we don't discount our rate. Um, so, you know, the best we could do is give him the Catholic rate, which is whatever. It was still a big, he couldn't do it. There was no way he could do it. So I said, you know what, we'll find a way to pay for him to go there. So I paid out of my pocket the difference. I think it was $6,000 a year um, to get him through. And... When I was doing that, I stopped tithing to the church because I felt like this was this was the same thing. Uh, I'm not helping the church, but I'm helping one of the church's people. And so I stopped. Well, he left and graduated. And um, for about you know six or seven months, I, I had not started tithing to the church again. And it, it dawned on me one day that I wasn't. Now I'm giving to nobody. I thought, oh, shoot, I've got to got to get back into that tithe. So I started, you know, I wrote the checks and got back in. And um, literally, like within a week, I got mailed a check from someone I was not expecting to get a check from. It was a reimbursement on something that I never thought I'd be reimbursed on. And it was for several thousand dollars. But that's, you know, God is like, and he let me know. Immediately, I thought that's from me going back to tithing. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. He will outgive you every time. You have to trust that because that's the God kingdom. Right. That's the God kingdom. That these things. Um, the way he works is far above our ways. So. Um, something to ponder. If you're not doing it, you should consider it. And it doesn't mean it has to go to your local church. I mean, you should support your local church, but there's many charities you could help. Um, you know, the, the uh, we always try to give money to the Bethlehem. Uh, woodcarvers, because the, 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 there's such a small population of Catholics. About 10 years ago, it used to be that 6% of, of Israel was, um, or Beth, I should say Bethlehem. Yeah, it might be Israel. I think it was Israel. Is 6% of Israel, Israel is Christian. Okay. And now today it's a half a percent because they're all leaving because they're, they're, they're being driven out because it's so difficult to get, find, a, earn a living there. So we try to help those people too. Really, I mean, we should be helping as many people as we can. That's the whole point of his kingdom. 
So Jesus invites those who hear his words to leave this world and join his kingdom. And he tells uh, us uh, to go the kingdom way of reconciliation rather than the world's way of lust and power you know, and manipulation. To choose uh, living a chaste life rather than one of you know, ill repute and um, rather than hating your enemies, to pray for your enemies, to love your enemies. This, see, his kingdom is very different. So in every day, we read about um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in the news. It's a crazy world we live in here. Just today, here's from the news headlines for today. Apocalypse Maui, people fleeing to the sea. Ohio voters give another victory to abortion rights groups. Uh, Six-year-old vulgar remark after shooting his first grade teacher. Can you imagine a six-year-old? Horrific murder of a runner on ancient trail shocks this very safe community. Uh, fire responders sound alarm as attacks against firefighters and EMTs escalates. And a Catholic couple's foster parent application denied because they believe in marriage between a man and a woman. Now, this is just the news for today. It's like this every day in our world. This is this is why we can hate this world because of those stories, because of the injustices, the outrages, the, um, the rampant violence and sexual promiscuity. That's what we hate in this world. So it's not that we hate the world. We hate what's become of this world. We hate what's become of this world. It's no longer. Uh, it's certainly not paradise where Adam and Eve walked with God in the. the cool of the afternoon, you know, this world has become quite a different world. And that's why if you're loving this world and you see this all the time on uh, if you go on Instagram, some of these, you know, all the many of the famous people, they put up a post living my best life and they're having champagne on a yacht uh, in Saint-Tropez. Um, OK, but, you know, who are you serving? Looks like you're serving yourself. And sure, you can have a vacation. I'm not against vacation, but if that's like your whole life is just one fabulous event after the next, something wrong there. And I think that's the message of this gospel. It's like it's not about how you can build up yourself and your kingdom, because that's the world. It's about how you can build up the kingdom of God by serving Jesus, loving Jesus, adoring Jesus and living life like Jesus. That's how you do it. So maybe we have to make some edits to our life as we review them. It's always good to do that on a regular basis. What, what should I cut out? What should I add? How can I move forward with the goal of heaven on the horizon? May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out. Thank you.